0: Hello everybody and welcome back to In the Zone a podcast where we talk all about MLW and the news and notes from around it. Hi guys, I'm Declan or Mallards Y, or pretty happy Mallards fan, I guess, now because of that. Um but uh, I have Luke on the line. Um the reason why we're doing a podcast today is because um our next podcast with an MLW star is gonna be on Tuesday. So Luke, how you doing? I'm doing fine man, how are you? How's everybody do- uh, doing? Good to be back. Yeah, it's it's great to have you. Um and we have some 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 discussions for sure. Uh, so if you guys don't know, I post on my account marriage or Pretty Happy Marriage Fan, I guess now. Um, and uh, so we have some posts to t- to discuss. I have some statistical posts that I have posted. I have some rotation posts. Um, and a huge announcement at the end of the podcast that is a special um thing only if you listen to the podcast. I'm not reporting on it until Tuesday. Only if you listen to the podcast. So, special listeners only. Yeah, if you listen to it, you get to know. But if you don't listen to it, then you don't get to know at all. Um, and don't don't blab your mouth either, if you know. Yeah, don't when be. You know. Yeah, don't don't be don't be running your mouth to people and being like, bro, blah 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 blah. I, I ain't telling you right now. You have to go through the whole podcast. So today we have a couple of things to discuss. A lot of stuff happened with MLB, and I think the reason why I wanted to do this now is because our next episode is going to be pretty MLW based. Um, we have some MLW stuff to talk about again. Um, so, getting into the first topic of the week, I was actually in the car. Um, I wasn't driving, but I was, uh, I think it was, I think I got out of the car, and then like 10 minutes later, I was. Um, checking my phone, and uh, some interesting stuff from the Dodgers center. The Dodgers have acquired Tommy Canely, um, the Yankee free agent pitcher and uh, um, former White Sox, uh, to a two-year deal worth $750,000 the first year and I believe something like $3.5 million in in the second year. If you're wondering why it's so low the first year, it's because he's not going to be playing at all. And that would
1: be due to Tommy John surgery. Only appeared in one game in 2020. Obviously 2020 was a weird season. So not a big miss for the Yankees that season. But Dodgers' future with Tommy Canely, it's looking pretty good. He had a great 2019 season. Obviously 2017, had a great season split with two different teams. So future is bright, I think, for that Dodgers bullpen even more.
0: Yeah, and uh, so I think that um, they might actually lose Trinan because um, I think there's a very, very real possibility that they actually pick up a top closer, but with this move, I don't know because really, let's be honest, the Dodgers aren't looking for anybody besides relief. If you're asking me, you're letting Peterson and Kike walk because if you let Kike walk, then you're allowing Gavin Lux to finally start in the majors consistently. Um, and I think that um, with this Canely move, I think that the Dodgers have um, a very good chance to repeat again. Um, But the question is, is that do they utilize Canely correctly um, if he comes in in September? And I'm actually predicting that Canely will indeed come in September and start pitching a little bit, and they'll actually use him in October depending on his performance and if he's healthy by then. Yeah, I find him as a very, like,
1: Lockdown pitcher when he's got to get going. <laughs> he's not young, so he's very well, uh, you know, marinated into the uh, the league, and he knows what he he knows his stuff. Um, good whip, good strikeout stuff. His ERA isn't too high. Um, he pitches in a lot of games when he's fully healthy, and he's a go-to guy out of the pen. I think would definitely be good for a lineup that consists of you know Kershaw, Bueller, Arias. Price, Dustin May, you know, uh, Gonsolin, that whole lineup, that whole, it's just nasty. And to acquire a guy like him into their bullpen when they already have pieces there,
0: it's its good. It's a really, it's a good pick. I mean, I uh, Yeah, and I think the Dodgers starting pitching is very underrated because you have um, two Cy Youngs and two future Cy Youngs in there. And a lot of people wrote off Dustin May after he started really, really good, but in my opinion, Dustin May is 100% a Cy Young in the future. Only one—he's only going to get one. He's not going to get you know a whole lot like Kershaw. But um, I think that he has um, great potential. And you have Kershaw, you have Bueller, you have like you mentioned Urias—he can come in. You have Gonsolin—he can come in. But you can also use these for trade pieces, like if you want to pick up uh, another starting pitcher, um, or if you want to pick up another bullpen. Um, but if you're asking me, the, the Dodgers still have that money um, to pick up some guys. So I think that would be um, a low-risk, high-reward move for the Dodgers for sure. Yeah, and they, they have a lot of young pieces that they can use,
1: whether they want to hold on to them for the future, like you said, or or, or like you said, trade pieces. And yeah, I believe Dustin May is going to be a future uh, side. Um, he can. He has the potential for sure. He's going to give you double-digit wins. He's going to give you strikeouts, and he's going to keep his whip low, and I think that's all you can ask for. I think that he'll definitely be in the run in a few years.
0: Yeah, and if you're asking me, I think, like, um, when you have Price in that rotation, I mean, he was the Cy Young Award winner. He won the Cy um, Young—wait, maybe—I think he did in, in like, 2014, 2016 with the Blue Jays, I think. I'm pretty sure he did, but I think— I think he did. I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure he has a Cy Young. I could be wrong. 2012. Um, yeah, 2012. He did win the Cy Young. Thank you, Luke, for fact-checking that. But, um, yeah, I think that uh, um, with Kershaw and Price, I mean, Price has declined in age, but if you're getting the pro- the 2018 postseason Price, this is going to be an un- in- unstoppable, like, you know not only lineup but a pitching staff and a bullpen like this team could probably win like 120 games and people won't be surprised I mean they're that good and with him being a
1: veteran you know they're going to get to the playoffs and having a guy like him you know you've seen what veteran leadership can do in the postseason it's it's clutch it's reliable and I think David Price being that four or five at the bottom starter it I, I wouldn't want anybody else
0: yeah, it's it's very very good veteranship, and I think, I think that they've been lacking it since they, um, I mean, who can you name on that pitching staff that is a veteran? Like, not really anybody. No, I mean like I mean like the starting pitchers. Like, there's there's no like starting pitchers that's like really a veteran besides Kershaw. So Kershaw. he would be like, Price would be that good fallback in order to get him. So, um, you know that's a great move for the Dodgers um, but switching over to our next topic and Luke I know you're a uh, Nationals fan so I know that you like this one so uh, why don't you talk about it a little bit big Christmas Day gifts well yeah about then Christmas Eve Um, yeah Christmas Eve
1: Nationals acquired Josh Bell from the Pittsburgh Pirates for a couple pitching prospects I wasn't too upset about the move at all, especially with what he can do and where we're at at first base. We just let Eric Fames walk. We didn't see enough from him in the, in the regular season in 2020, so I'm not that upset with the move of letting him walk. And obviously, Ryan Zimmerman, I love him, but he's getting old. He's on his way out. And at 28 years old, Josh Bell, his 2019 season was great. Now, I heard from some Pittsburgh fans that he isn't too clutch, and then he gets some meaningless home runs, and And he's not really a guy you can depend on. But looking at his 2019 stats, like I said, it's a very good piece to have in the middle of the lineup to go with Trey Turner and Juan Soto to pick pick those guys up. I like the move. Um,
0: I'm, I'm happy to see what he can do for the future. I don't really think it's fair that Pittsburgh fans are writing off Josh Bell's clutchness. He played for the not only worst team in baseball, but he played, you know, in a 2019 season that was terrible for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And not only that, with Josh Bell being traded, this now kind of limits your chances for, like, who is going to be your all-star. If Jacob Stallings has a pretty good year, he's going to be the all-star. But if... Um, Joe Musgrove can imp- improve on his season, then of course he can make the All-Star team, but who else on that team can really make the All-Star team, you know, and I think that this is a great move, but of course you still have, you know, Ryan Zimmerman who is, you know, in my opinion a top five national of all time and... Number one all time Number one.
1: Oh. Number one. He is Mr. National, the first pick in our history, in the Washington Nationals history, that's... All you have to say about that,
0: I think he's number one. He's probably not the best expo slash national of all time, but he's definitely the national for sure. You know, not counting expos, of course. You know, uh, because then you have, you know, Guerrero, Andre Dawson, you know. Hank Aaron. Those guys, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So
1: definitely not the best expo national, but
0: national in general, I would say. (laughs) Sorry if my phone just went off there, guys. Um... Anyway, so uh yeah, getting into the um topic, if if there's a universal DH, this could extremely benefit the Nationals because you have two first basemen that can literally switch off and Josh I don't know if Josh Bell's defense is great. It might be like okay, but um I think that with a little bit of improvement, um I think that, you know, it can be a little better, but um, I think that if you have Zimmerman at the DH spot and then you have Bell at first base, or who who is ever the better defender, um, if if you have the DH, obviously, but it's going to be difficult. I would difficult. Have to say probably Bell. I don't know. Zimmerman's dealt with
1: injury the past couple of years, and if I had to put somebody at first base to play, I might put Bell, but
0: it's a toss up. Yeah, and I I've been thinking about this for a little while. Um, I think that. Um, I think, you see, here's the thing. The problem with the Nationals was they would have totally made the playoffs in the 18 playoffs for sure if Steven Strasburg was just healthy. It's as simple as that. Steven Strasburg is a huge impact player. And when you have guys like Patrick Corbin and Max Scherzer, and you have a bullpen that's not terrible, but like it's so, yeah, exactly, it's so-so. And like when you pick up, if you, again, if they pick up a guy like Alex Calame. Um, you know, I don't think they need Liam Hendricks that much. Like everyone, everybody needs Liam Hendricks, but I think that if they pick up Alex Colomay, that would be great—a great move. So, um, I, I have them making the playoffs if their off season goes on uh, uh, goes well in a five team playoffs. That's how confident I am in the Nationals. Yeah, I mean, I'm confident in them too.
1: I mean, we're run by a very good, um, you know, front office you know Mike Rizzo being probably one of the best GMs in the league and he makes smart moves he picks the right guys he doesn't just pick big names he he's really smart with what he does he got us a world series and i can't i can't be upset with our future i mean Juan Soto is looking to be uh, he's a top 5 player i think in the league right now and Trey Turner is just continuing to like prove people and you know, obviously the pitching. Max Scherzer's you know a little on the downside, but I mean on the down climb. But I still think that he'll give you double digit wins, and he'll still strike people out. And Patrick Corbin was very underrated last year, and I think he's always been underrated with us, and even in his career, because he's being overshadowed by guys like Strasburg and Scherzer. But yeah, like you said, if Strassburg is healthy, we we're always we always have a chance pitching is always, I think, the first priority on the team. And I think with the starting rotation that we've had, when healthy, it
0: is one of the best in the league. Uh, Yeah, and I think that if Juan Soto has an MVP season like everybody was predicting him to have, which, by the way, he would have won MVP if it wasn't for coronavirus, if it wasn't for him testing positive the day of opening day, which is the worst luck that you can possibly get. It wasn't even like a week before opening day. He had to do the whole two weeks, which sucks. And I think that um, if Juan Soto can um, uh, uh, basically like boost their offense, and if Josh Bell is hitting those homers, keeping that average up, if Trey Turner is doing what Trey Turner always does, if Victor Robles you know, has a good season, if Carter Keenboom has a great season, I mean, they could sign Kike Hernandez, and they would be like, really good. Like, it would be, their lineup would be, it's already really scary, but I think that it would be probably a a postseason-worthy lineup for sure. Yeah, and um, going back to what you said about
1: Soto being out for the first couple weeks, that really, if there was a way to get off to a season the wrong way, that was it. And I think that hurt our playoff chances from the start. I wasn't too upset about the total season. It was 60 games. 2020 has been the weirdest, craziest year ever, worst year. So if we're looking for, you know, 160 games next year then and and everyone's healthy,
0: yeah, I think it's a postseason team. Yeah, and, um, you know, that's kind of leading us into our next topic, uh... I think we're gonna get into some MLW stuff and uh probably get into a couple of MLB predictions. Um but so today I posted two things. I posted the top three hitting seasons of all time. Very, very happy about the graphics. I love the way they look. Um I'm definitely improving, I I think. Um but uh Yeah, I gotta give it to you, man. <laughs> Your stuff's looking uh, legit. It's yeah, th- legit. <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, I think that um, I, we also released the um, the uh, rotation rankings uh, two days in a row. Um, if you did not know, the Cobras have the worst rotation. The Preds have the second worst rotation. Wildcats at 6, Magic at 5, Mallards at 4, d at 3, Eagles at 2, and Gators, of course, at 1. Um, uh, Luke, what do you think? Uh, and, uh, you know about those rotations. I mean, it's simple, you know, based off
1: depth. I mean, you know, yeah, the Predators have Ryan crashed and, you know, you could argue he's the best or one of the best pitchers in the league, but behind him, there's nobody. And then, obviously, same thing with the Cobras. Drew Davis is a good pitcher, but nobody's behind him. And the reason why the team's like... Um, you, you had the uh, D-backs high, and you had the Gators are number one is because obviously the Gators are number one. They have two aces on their team. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, it's as simple as to say his depth is just going to give you a higher rank. It's going to give you higher chances to win because you have that depth to fall back on like the Gators do, and they proved that in the 2020 season in the playoffs even. It's just Tatum is down
0: bad. Go to Jorgensen. Jorgensen's down bad, you know. Go to cheating. opposite way. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree with the rankings. Yeah. Um. And I was getting some heat. Um. From Dean Bruton. He's a uh, MLW analyst. Um. He works for MLW Analyst, the top MLW page uh, right now. And um. He's telling me that the Mallards are not a top four pitching staff. And if it wasn't for that comment, I was actually going to put the Mallards at three because I actually sent these rankings to a few um, MLW fan pages, and they told me that um, they thought that the Mallards had a top three rotation. And uh, I didn't think that at first. I actually had the D-backs um, at three originally, and then I switched to the Mallards, and then, you know. Um, but honestly, I think that you can make a case that the Mallards have a top three. Now, Tommy is probably the... I would say he's better than Jason Chadwick and Drew Davis, but... Uh, I think he's a little underrated this year because, just because he, you know, had a few rough series, and I think if he keeps the the walks down, I think it would be a great year for him, and he lost a lot of close games, too. And with Trevor on for your secondary pitcher, that is, like, really good. I think Trevor is a sleeper pick for not only Cy Young, but most improved next year for sure. And I think that's why the guy that, reached out saying that he didn't think they were a top four he's because he forgot about trevor trevor is one
1: of those guys that came in who was friends with jory and chadwick and um and, uh, they're all dual threat guys they can do they can do it all trevor is going to prove people next year mark my words that he is going to be here um for a while, and he might end up, you know, when Tommy moves on to be being the uh, the manager, most likely. And I th- I think he's definitely going to prove himself next year, like I said. So that guy that you know wants to say that Matt lives on top four or top three that doesn't know MLW. He's he's
0: forgotten <laughs> who's there. Yeah, um, but I do I do want to mention this. I think that. I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that Trevor he's either a freshman in college or he's a sophomore in college. I don't know for sure. But whatever he is, if Tommy leaves, um before uh Trevor is done with college, obviously, um, he will be the manager and I would love the direction of the Mallards organization because obviously Tommy is great. Tommy's my favorite player of all time, but Trevor is you know, I really have faith in Trevor. I think he's gonna do a great job, but Um, that kind of leads me into our next topic, and uh, that was the first post of the day. Um, it was top three hitting seasons of all time. Uh, Luke, thoughts? Um, I left a couple seasons off of there. For example, Kyle Schultz's Insane 2016, Kyle Schultz's Insane 2014, and a few other seasons that you guys probably thought should be on the list.
1: I mean, when there's, you know, when it when it's back in the day, you know, when they had those great, you know, thirty home run seasons, they're barely playing anybody. You know, the age differences are kind of like, you know, whatever. Daniel's still playing barefooted. I mean, I, I don't, they're great seasons. They're great stats. Obviously, you won't see anything like that today with how the comp, you know competition is just changing. They're all growing up, but you know, we 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 know. Who got snubbed during you know their season? I don't know what they were looking at when Tommy
0: got snubbed. I guess we'll talk. We'll talk uh, a little more, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. We. Were, I was going to talk about you know Tommy Coglin's twenty ten season. Anybody who wants to say to me that Triple Crown means absolutely nothing. First off, Triple Crown is the. In in my opinion. This is for baseball, too. When you're looking at Triple Crown stats, and this is the reason why I think Jose Abreu won MVP, which I'm very, very excited about. I have my MVP Jose Abreu shirt. But the reason why Jose Abreu won MVP was because in every single category of Triple Crown, he shut Jose Ramirez out. And I think that's what we should have been looking at. Now, you can say all you want about RBIs, average, and home runs, you know, I don't care, but when you combine those, they make sense for an actual, like, rounded out stat, so when you're doing that, that's what makes the most sense. When Tommy won MVP, he also out-hit out Kyle in OPS on base percentage, um, slugging, he outbeat beat him in base on balls, he outbeat beat him in, I believe, no, no, I don't believe, I know, total bases, um, I think I'm leaving off a category, I am, but, um, oh yeah, hits, he out-hit him, he outscored he out him in terms of runs, and he also um, had just as many Ks as Kyle did, they tied, so out of 11 categories, he beat him in 10 of those categories.
1: Yeah, and then when he wasn't beating him, he was tied with him, and he was doing the same things. Like I said, I don't know who they went to, what they went to to determine the MVP of that season, but there was an error in the system, and <laughs> poor Tommy got the biggest snub in MLW history. You've seen the comment. I mean, he, it's pinned. It's, it's there. You know it.
0: Yeah, and I think to this day, Kyle Kyle's still talks. Uh, Kyle knows. There's no way Kyle knows. He... You know, I saw a comment nine or ten years ago. Somebody said, How did Tommy not win? He won Triple Crown, and Kyle said it was voted on. Well, I think Kyle know, knows right now there is no way that anyone would ever give a, you know, those with Tommy's stats another person MVP. Tommy Coughlin was so, like, he was so confident that he stood up. He stood up thinking he was going to win MVP, and Ka- Kyle won MVP. And like the problem was is that i think they were going off pitching way too much hitting is way more important especially when you're the guy pitching instead of your teammate who's the only other mvp candidate so you know yeah
1: and yeah I, I, if if it was pitching they were going off of in this league i yeah i, I just i just don't know i i don't know i, I would like to know I would like to know one day who voted and uh, what the uh, outcome of the vote was, like, uh, points-wise for each other.
0: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that Daniel, Brendan, Rachel, Tommy, and Kyle voted. But let's just take a look at it. When you're seven years old you're probably going to vote for your older brother not not accusing Daniel of anything but um Uh, you know um you know you're either going to vote for him or you hate him so much that you're not even gonna you know mention his name or anything but um I think that you know it's definitely a snub for sure but um I I, I don't know about that but you know um looking at a few comments uh, a um, I think it was Brody, I, I can't remember, there's numbers in his name, but his name is Brody. Um, I think he was in the Mallard's chat, or he's in the Mallard's chat, Luke, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I think um, he said something about how Kyle's performance was, in 2018, was amazing because of the time period. And I think that's true because it was really, really good, but let's just consider that he played the Seahawks, in which he got basically a hit in every single. You know, the Seahawks was a number inflation, you know, series for sure. And then he faced the Cobras, who were coming off like six straight losses or something, some some crazy like that. And um, and uh, you know, it, it's it, it, he was pitching like uh, Mitch Marvin and Jack Krause, who don't really you know pitching with a ball, so. I think, you know, it's number inflation, but you got to look at it, and it it is a valid case. Like, it is good.
1: He had a a good season. You can't take it away from him, no matter, like, who you face, really. I mean, obviously, you know, Jory on the last uh, pod was saying you could go into a series against the Seahawks and know you're going to sweep. Nowadays, that's not the case with any team that you play. Um. Yeah, no no series is a given win now. Back then, you know, like you said, when Cobras were on their downslide, and obviously the Seahawks beating the Seahawks, you know, of course you're going to have a good year, but I'm not taking it away from Tommy. Tommy is going to go out and give it his best no matter who he's playing. He's not going to slow down or um, take it easy on anybody because that's the mentality he has. He's going to win. He wants to win, so... That that's my thought on it. I mean, there's not too much to say. 2018, you're still playing guys like Dan and Kyle and Drew,
0: so can't really take that away from them. Yeah, and um, this is going to be, you know, our last one. I want to keep this one a little short because our next one is probably going to be pretty long. But um, I just want to get to the last topic, and that is the number one of the um, of the post today, Kyle Schultz in 2013 had a, I believe, 6.76 average or something like that. 35 home runs, 97 RBIs, an OPS of 2,185, I'm pretty sure. And I don't know how you bat over 1,500 for an OPS, but this dude literally batted 2,185 for an OPS. He won the Triple Crown. If this is is the best hitting season of all time, and I don't even think it's close, um... And uh for that he won the MVP. Uh, so you know, it's crazy. I mean
1: yeah, there's nothing really to else to say. It's the best hitting season ever we've seen, and it's three years after, you know, the start, so things are starting to get a little bit bigger in the league, you're starting to see, you know, new teams or whatever. And yeah, six
0: six six seventy 670 what? Six seventy six yeah. average and yeah, then I mean, we're talking you know, yeah,
1: you know, two out of three times he's getting a hit.
0: Yeah. You know, that's unbelievable. I mean, that you know, those are video
1: game numbers. And when you have a video game-like season, of course you're going to win the MVP. Of course you're going to have the best season anybody's ever seen. It's Kyle. It's the GOAT. You know what I mean? You don't expect any less from him anymore, whatever. It's, it is, like you said, the best hitting
0: season ever. Of course, on top of what he does on the mound. So, 194 total bases in 2013 in 16 games in 16 games a 2185 OPS if you don't think that is the greatest hitting season of all time I don't care what happened back then uh, I don't care what happened to Zach Hotman Zach Hotman played very little games he missed like six or seven games in 2012 so don't talk to me and his average was like the only thing to write home about so uh that's just my opinion on that but little uh
1: you said 194 total bases. I had Josh Bell's stats up real quick. He had three hundred plus games played, 300 total bases. I don't know how many games exactly they played that season, but he cut that on you know over in half of total basis, so that just goes to show that they played, like, what, 16 games, maybe? Mm -hmm. To 100-plus games played, and is less than 100
0: away, almost 100 away total basis from that. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, um, I'm, I, my phone is dying, but I'm, I'm charging it, so no worries, uh, but um, that's why my uh, camera's off for now. But um, just a few technical difficulties. Sorry, guys. But um, I think I think we're just gonna uh, talk a little bit more um, because now I got a charger. Um, but um, yeah, like we were saying, like Kyle Schultz in 2013. Like I I, I want to say this from 2010 to 2015, the first six seasons of MLW. In my opinion, I think that twenty thirteen was the most competitive season of all of those. You had five teams, the Southern Seahawks, who were actually pretty good. You had the Central Cardinals who were like I think it was eleven and five. Yeah, eleven and five. You had the uh Western Wildcats who were fourteen and two. You had the Eastern Eagles who were I think they were just under five hundred. Southern Seahawks, they were just under five hundred and, of course, the Preds, who were 1-15. Um, you know. But I think, in my opinion, I think it's the most competitive because when you look at it, the Cardinals went into the World Series as the two-seed with 11 wins and 5 losses, and they swept the best team of all time. And they're literally the only team to go into a postseason series and beat Kyle Schultz and Tommy Coughlin that's how deep that is and they swept them in a five-game series nonetheless so yeah it's it's definitely
1: forgotten about newer fans um people that haven't really looked into the lore of the league definitely that goes unseen um unheard of forgotten about whatever you want to call it um but i think that it, it you know obviously comes to shock people it's just crazy you know, you'd think that those guys would win it every single year. And then this team of, you know, at the time, who who were these guys? You know, and then they come in at the two seed. They're six games above 500. And they sweep Tommy and Kyle. Like, hearing those words, sweeping Tommy and Kyle, this just at that time,
0: it's just unheard of. I don't know if the Wildcats ever lost a series. I don't think they did in the regular season or postseason until the very last series of where Kyle and Tommy were actually playing together, which is crazy. And, you know... A sweep. Yeah, and a, and a sweep in a in a five-game series. You, the Cardinals had to win three games in a row, and let's not forget, they weren't playing with franchise players. Chad Renzi came in for Game 3, but in games 1 and 2, they were playing with the two newest members of the Central Cardinals, Jack Chevalier and Michael Duncan, who Michael Duncan batted 550. Um, he had an OPS of, like, 1,900, something like that. Um, and uh, he uh, drew, drove in a lot of runs. I think he had, like, 10 home runs or something in 10 games. But I, think, I still think that's a great one. And, and it earned him Rookie of the Year. But, like... They pitched so well, and Jack Chevalier and Michael Duncan is probably, like, a band of misfits. Like, they weren't Chad Rancy or Dalton Porth. Um, you know, a lot of fans don't know about Dalton, um, even, even like, the experienced fans. Dalton was really, really good in 2011 2012, but, you know, if, if they had all four guys, I think it would have been, like, a more convincing sweep because it was a little doubtful. I think the Wildcats scored more runs than they should have had for sure but um that's that's just my take. Yeah. And like you said, I mean it was a 5 game series it wasn't
1: you know it wasn't 3-1 it wasn't 3-2 you know it was, it was 3-0. This didn't go to game 5 or game 4 this was this was done in 3 against the two greatest of all time so
0: Yeah. Yeah and um I think uh You know, going back to, um, you know, you talked about Dan, and I wanted to kind of bring this up. I wanted this, I wanted people, I wanted this to get the discussion going because, in my opinion, Daniel Schultz is the greatest pitcher of all time. But that's just my opinion. But, Luke, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean,
1: talk about a guy who's, like I said, been in the league since the beginning. He's played. You know, he started off playing barefoot and stuff. He's the little brother. You know, he had to go through more adversity than anybody to start things off. You know, you know, he's always he always wants to beat his bigger brothers and and then just carry on, stay in the league, and stay you know modest about everything, and stay competitive, and you know, have, always have a chip on his shoulder. Um, on the uh, on the mound. I mean, I mean, yeah. He, to this day, I mean what is his MVP season
0: was in twenty sixteen? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean once he
1: took off, once he hit a you know, the certain age where things were kinda like even at that point between all of them, I think you know, then and on, I think he's probably been arguably the best pitcher that we've seen. When it's all said and done, I might have like Ryan crashed above him, at Damn. least this season I did. I just think Ryan Crash's numbers, his K's, uh, I I just, I think he might be the most dominant in the league, but Daniel Schultz, I think, arguably between them two, I think might be the best, and obviously don't count Kyle out, Kyle's always, you know, going to do his thing, and cheat him for the future, I mean, who knows what he's going to do, Norp, Chadwick. these guys are all great. now, but I think I might have to agree with you with Dan being number one
0: pitcher all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, and just an interesting statistic. Um, Kyle and Daniel have both won the same amount of uh, Cy Young Awards, and I think what's most interesting is that Kyle Schultz won all of his Cy Young Awards in the early years of the league, and what's hilarious to me is Daniel Schultz Obviously this year it's going to change but I'm not including this year because awards haven't been announced yet. Daniel Schultz has won 3 out of the 4 the 3 out of the last 4 Cy Youngs including a season last year where he gave up 2 runs with a 0.17 ERA and a 9-0 record. Uh, obviously the greatest pitching season of all time and Daniel Schultz won his first Cy Young in 2014 and he split it with his brother. Um, they they had split awards, so they both won. I guess four and a half Cy Youngs, but I I'm, I'm gonna say five. Um, and Kyle won his first, um, won his five Cy Youngs in the first six seasons. In 2011, Tommy Coughlin won the Cy Young, but I I think that's just interesting that, you know, I think Tommy is still an elite pitcher. You know, kind of you know streaking here, but um, I think Tommy's still an elite pitcher. I mean. Uh you know 2017 was still a hard year to pitch. It was closer mound but you know um he had to face a couple people and his ERA was 117. I just looked it up on League lineup uh earlier today so it's how I remember it but uh you know Luke like what do you think like of that like interesting statistic about Daniel and you know Kyle? Yeah, I mean
1: it goes back to me talking about how you know he had to kind of grow up with them in the league. You know Kyle was already I mean, he started way ahead of you know in age or whatever when the league started so it's it's pretty obvious to say that Kyle got all the awards you know in the beginning years and down the stretch now he's like you said three out of the four last years he's been Cy Young and I mean it just makes sense once he grew up once he got up to you know even level he started you know outshine his brother in that category so To me, it makes sense. I don't really have anything to take away from either of them. There's not much else I have on this topic. It's just, you know, age differences
0: and progression over time for Daniel. Yeah, and, you know, I met Daniel, and honestly, he's, like, it's just weird to see... If you watched every season of MLW, like, I have, I think I've watched every single video, like, probably five times at least. And, you know, that's how I memorize everything. You know, that's how I get all my trivia. I never look those up. Like, I never look those up. It's pretty hilarious. I I, I always do them raw off the top of my head, which is pretty funny. But, you know, when you look at Daniel, he, this is, like, the only thing he's known for all of his life since he was 7 years old he's been recorded every summer in his backyard front yard you know whatever and it's just it's kind of you know like you said about the progression of Daniel and it's kind of funny you know 2015 MVP i think he was snubbed of 2019 MVP but you know, we're not going to go into that um but i think it's kind of crazy to think about you know his progression um you know like I said, there's not much to talk about that, but I know we're getting up I, I, here in time. I, I wouldn't say snubbed in 2019.
1: I would say outshined by Ryan Crash,
0: but, you know. I think the reason why Kretsch won the MVP was because of... I think it was just because people thought he carried the Preds more when Daniel was doing most of the carrying for the Eagles. I mean, let's not forget that Daniel was, you know, um, like he had a point seventeen ERA, but like I said, I'm not taking, you know, uh, pitching into account for everything. His, his numbers right. were still great. I think he had like six or seven home runs. Yeah. You know, um, I'm sure his OPS was great. I haven't re-looked at the stats, but you know, uh, it's just what, what Ryan Cratch did. I mean, yeah. regular season, postseason, he, he was the best, at the plate and best on the mound. I mean, say, like, runner-up, Dan, but I wouldn't say snubbed, just just because of how great Ryan Crash did, and I wouldn't say, I guess, from a perspective, you could say he carried them, but Alec Ward is still clutched up, like he always does, when it meant the most, so, yeah. Yeah, and I just wanted to get into one more topic, we're getting there up in time, but it's not about MLW, today, we had... Three football games, and I just watched the 49ers and Cardinals game. I am so hyped right now because I'm a Bears fan, and I'm hyped right now because the Cardinals lost the game, which means if we win out, no matter what the Cardinals do, we are in the playoffs. I love it. Um, It's awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm a Red Washington football (laughs) team fan. had to, you know, stop myself real quick there. Um, Not going to go go into that that at all, but... You know. we beat the Panthers tomorrow and the Ravens beat the Giants we're in you know we control our own destiny so yeah I mean I could get into you know NFL even more but time is a thing so yeah sorry guys uh, Noah Dabrico is currently texting me uh, over the Malage Nation group chat but uh, anyway you know, uh, now's not the time Lord. <laughs> yeah geez I think Noah should know this stuff um, oh, but uh, yeah um, God Noah's <laughs> Noah's still blowing it up Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, um, so I think that's gonna, you know, wrap it up, uh, so I promised you guys we were gonna talk about it, and now that you stayed for 43 minutes, I'm gonna give you it. And they probably might have skipped to the end, but that's okay. That's okay. Big news, Declan, what is it? That's okay, because you had to do a lot of skipping in order to get to it. Um. So, the big news, coming Tuesday... Tuesday, baby. Tommy Coglin will be coming on the podcast. Tommy freaking Coghlan will be coming on the podcast. Great. It's going to be awesome. Me and Luke are going to be interviewing him. It's going to be a lot like the Jorgie interview. Um, I'm really excited about it. Luke, what do you think? Um man, I'm, I'm
1: tickled. I'm so ready. You know, I mean, Jorgensen was big. This is just as big, if not bigger. It, it's awesome, you know, being able to interview interview these guys. And
0: especially you know, a top three all-time guys. So I'm ready. Stay tuned, everybody. Tuesday is coming. Yeah. Sorry if we're nerding out here, guys, but uh, this is awesome that Tommy's going to be coming on to the podcast. Um, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's going to be uh, pretty awesome. We have some you know questions for him and all that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for uh, coming in here. <laughs> um, and I think that uh, sorry, Luke is swinging a bat right now. Um. And uh, anyway, I think uh, it's going to be awesome experience. Um, he's actually got the Houston Astros versus Washington Nationals 2019 World Series. But uh, uh, I think that's going to about wrap it up, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I can't wait for Tuesday. Stay tuned for sure. Bye, guys.